Hello, and welcome to the Stop Devaluation Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the Stop Devaluation Movement, Melody Hilton. The heart of this movement is to see the value in all of humanity and live courageous lifestyles of using our power for good instead of harm. We can affect change by choosing validation over judgment. And I hope you'll take your place and make a positive impact in this world. Over and over again, my heart is overwhelmed with opposing emotions of sadness and grieving, all the way to feelings of joy and celebration because of someone's freedom. One thing I have learned throughout my life, as well as the stories of so many others, is that no matter how evil the darkness, light will always dispel it. Light doesn't come in this instantaneous blast of healing but is often progressive as lies are being replaced with truth and courage arises in incremental steps as shame and fear lose their power over our thoughts, our emotions, and our self-view. Today's episode will just amaze you how peace can be found from those ashes of injustice. The damage from abuse, neglect, abandonment, and sexual assault can actually lose its power and no longer sabotage a beautiful and treasured life. This is one episode you do not want to miss. It is such a thrill in my heart to introduce Carly Daniel. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'll tell you, uh, this woman is a light in a dark world. This is a woman who is young, beautiful inside and outside. And so often, Carly, when we see someone like you, we can make an assumption that every chapter in their life story was perfect that you never face difficulty or injustice or devaluation or rejection or betrayal. and uh, But that rarely is true for anyone. Right. And so, uh, Carly, I would love to hear however you want to communicate some of the chapters in your life story that are dark, difficult, and have been challenging for you. Well, thank you. Um, I know growing up, I always compared myself to everybody else, thinking exactly just what you described, that, you know, they're so pretty, they must have everything figured out, and they must have had such a wonderful life. And sometimes, you know, they did. And, you know, and I always thought I was so unworthy enough to have such a wonderful life like that. Um you know, growing up, I can remember, I can remember great memories with my father. I was raised primarily by him. And, um, up until about six years old, you know, we went on road trips and we had such fun together. And, um, but I remember when that started to change when I was in second grade, I was about seven years old and I was walking home from school and I, went to my front porch and I opened the door and there was this woman there and she said, well, I'm your new mom. 
And I just remember thinking like, who are you, who are you to earn that title? You know? And, um, you know, at first she was okay. And then she started just being abusive. She would, um, put out cigarettes on my arm and, you know, I had very long hair down to about past my bottom. And one day she just told me that my hair was too pretty and she cut it all the way up to my ears. And I I know, and I had never seen my father cry until that moment. Um, So, you know, she would hit me with a belt on my back and then tell my father that she had already talked to me and punished me um, by talking to me and then would tell him to go in and go ahead and spank me or, you know, whatever he would do. And so I would get two and, you know, I just remember thinking, why is this happening to me? Why did he have to marry her? You know, in my seven-year-old mind, you just can't logically think about things that are happening to you that way. So I became withdrawn. My grades started failing in school, you know, before I was an A student and, you know, bad grades meant more punishment from both my stepmother and my father. Um, Yeah. So they actually ended up divorcing a very short time after they got married. uh, And I was really happy that she was gone, but my, something happened with my father when she left and he just was not the same after that. He, um, he became verbally abusive, short-tempered, and he started working most of the time. And um, so he would start going away for the night when, you know, I was eight years old and he started leaving me alone and he started going away for the weekend. So I had to learn really quickly how to take care of myself. How so to you were completely alone as an eight-year-old in your home? Yes. Oh, my so um, I had to learn to do laundry. You know, um, there was a, a point in time where I would wear the same thing to school you know, for, um, you know, a few days at a time. But but I learned quickly how to take care of myself because no one else would. And, you know, I cooked, I cleaned, and I did laundry on my own. And, but when he did come home, he was withdrawn and he was short-tempered and he just couldn't be bothered. So, um, but when I was nine he would start leaving for more than just a weekend. He would leave for, you know, a week. And, um, you know, when he came home, I would be the one to withdraw and he would, yeah, I I felt like he was invading my space instead. So, but he started telling me when he came home that, you know, I would never amount to anything because, you know, the house wasn't where he expected it to be. Um, and that I, you know, I should go on a diet because I was chubby, you know? So my self-esteem really went down and, you know, I didn't bathe and there was nobody around me to tell me that I had to because being nine, that's really not on your priority. Right. Um, you know, because parents are the ones that make you bathe and no one was around. But so my teacher started to take notice of this, you know, and, and she started to worry about me and soon DCS visited my house and that was you know, family and child services. And, um, I remember them coming to my house one night when my dad wasn't there and this had never happened before. And, I was taken away to live with a family for a short time. And I was told that, you know, the goal was reunification with my father. And um, so after that, I think I really started turning to books for my escapism and, you know, my solace, you know, every free moment that I had was in a book. And then finally, when my dad got reunification, um, you know, he was better for a couple months and, you know, he was around when DCF came back and did a home visit and things like that. But, you know, a few months later and it was, it was right back to leaving for a week. 
Oh my goodness, that is so much to go through as a child. You didn't feel protected. It's at a time in your life when uh, you should be cared for and all your needs met naturally, physically, emotionally, every area, and none of that was provided for you. That's right. And being bullied in school for being that antisocial bookworm and not having, I don't think having those skills to communicate, um, you know, as I should. Um, but I just really found solace in being alone. And um, I remember my mother trying to, you know, a lot trying to reach out and having a relationship with me because they were divorced. And um, she had no idea about the things that happened uh, because my father was very much, you know, he taught me how to cover my tracks. And, you know, I was, whenever she called and she wanted to be with me, I would, I was instructed that we had plans, you know, and so I would get so excited for those plans that just never happened. Um, so I feel like a lot of resentment happened and stems there because I felt like he kind of robbed me from those precious moments of relationship building with my mom. So how many years did this go on? When did things begin to change? Never. I think it probably happens when I moved out. Um, I know that when I was 11 years old, I was over at a friend's house in the neighborhood and, and I spent the night over there. And that was one weekend that he wasn't there. And so I just went over to her friend's house and spent the night. And then I remember her brother taking advantage of me that night and I was raped. Oh, and no. I became really withdrawn after that. I mean, any hugs or touch or attempt attempted, you know, just being social by men, I would just reject immediately. And just if you if you could imagine, I became even more withdrawn. I'm sure. But later in my life, I opened up to my father about this, and I was still living at home. And um, you know, I remember just wanting to tell him about what had happened. And you know, I. I was just very honest and very truthful and just opened myself up to him. And he just said, well, did he ejaculate? And I was like, well, no, I don't think so. That really wasn't on my thought process when I was 11, you know, and he just laughed and said, well, then you weren't raped. Oh, and after that, I moved out and I didn't have much a relationship with him. We talked on the phone and you, you know, moved we met for out dinner. of your house at 11 years old. No, no, no. I was, I was much later. It was about 18. I was about 18 when I decided to open up. So my father was gone a lot, you know, through my high school life, through my middle school life, you know, he just came home. It was more like a pit stop, you know? Um, so I just stayed there. But when I opened up with him at 18 years old was when I decided to move out when I felt like I wasn't validated anymore, when I wasn't respected. And it was more like that one last straw. You weren't validated. You weren't respected. My goodness. So what took place after you left home? So I went to college. I got my degree in family life education Hmm. with a concentration in sexuality education because I really wanted to so many people out there feel in a family that they're alone. And I think that that was my projection on this world, that I just wanted people to feel like they weren't alone in their family and how to open up those communication strategies, how they can just feel closer as a family, how they can just not be afraid to seek advice or counseling. That's what I really wanted to do. Um, So I went and I got my... Think about (laughs) this. Look what you went through. And instead of 
stepping into those places where you are going to be devastated for the rest of your life because of your experiential reality. You made a decision in your heart at 18 years old that you were going to make a difference in your world. That is amazing. You, you decided, I'm going to take my pain, and I'm going to be one who brings solution to others' pain. Well, I think it's a decision. You can either take the experiences that you have and turn it into good, or you can be bitter and resentful and just hold that unforgiveness in your heart and just be this most miserable person. Um, so, you know, choosing to overcome that and, and choosing that harder sometimes uh, choice is it really makes all the difference. And see, this is something I had to come to in my life as well. And I think everyone listening to your story right now is faced with this amazing opportunity to say, I will no longer be controlled by my past, but I'm going to make a decision today to take those things and allow my life to become a light in a dark world. Absolutely. So, Carly, let me ask you a question. Were there any individuals that began to see that value and that worth on the inside of you to where there was external validation? Well, my mother and I have a wonderful relationship and I adore her and her strength and her perseverance and wanting that relationship with me. She never gave up. Um, my mom and my stepdad have been there through my divorce, my terrible decisions, and they've loved me through each one. Um, they have been there to kind of point out that worth and that um, potential in me. And I think that I've subconsciously, I've always sought mother and father figures. You know, growing up, I would constantly seek out parental figures through my friends in middle school and high school and just be like, hey, can I stay at your house? Because I really want to talk to your parents. Um, but so I would have even to say, then you were searching for someone to be like a surrogate mother or father. I don't know if that's yes. a good word, but just someone yes. to be that substitute, that one that cared enough to speak into your life and see value in you. Absolutely. Now I know um, I have a couple of people in my life that are wonderful mentors and, and spiritual fathers and mothers that I'm just so thankful because they have never given up either. <laughs> And you have become that one that wants to be a mother to someone else, to be that individual that no matter what they do, no matter what mistakes they've made, you're going to see value and worth in who they are and make investments so they can begin to see their life through a different grid, a different reality. So tell me some things that you're doing in your life now that give you that platform of opportunity to show others how valuable they are? Well, I'm, I'm actually a teacher now. I teach second, second grade, so that's seven and eight-year-olds, and I'm constantly teaching them to value themselves. Um, I tell them all the time, you know, you can learn math, and you can learn reading, and you can learn and all the things. I want to teach you that, but there's so much more to you than just data than just numbers than just a score. So I really get down to the nitty gritty and I I tell them about how they are worth it, how everything that they dream in their life and in their heart is not just silly. 
you know, even if they have a dream about opening up a lemonade stand, you know, Mm -hmm. we talk about that, you know, because those little dreams become into such big dreams. And so it's really important to me to be able to speak that into their life and to speak life and teach them how to go after what they really want to. And I'm always just looking for an opportunity to um, exhort others, just bringing a smile on their face and just being like, you know, I see, I feel that you really want this in your life or, you know, it could be just something simple as I love your hair today or I love that because just you never know what encouragement will speak into their hearts. Well, one thing I know through neuroscience is when words are spoken and someone takes and accepts those words, it begins to reshape the way they think, the way they feel, and what they believe about themselves. And you are giving uh, what is so unique, almost like a full circle of your life. When all these things began in your life around seven and eight years old, and now you're investing into seven and eight year olds, (laughs) laying a foundation inside of them so they can begin to think, um, believe different and change the choices of their life just by believing something different at this very young age. That is so powerful. So I wanted to say the one thing the most that I have learned that the most influential person in your life is the one that you haven't forgiven. Wow. So forgiveness isn't for them. It's for you. And you need to understand that forgiveness is for past reconsolidation and not for future consideration. After forgiveness comes the healing. And you really do have to make peace with your broken pieces and know that it doesn't excuse their actions, but it stops their actions from destroying your heart. Wow. Your stepmother, your father, uh, the one that raped you, you forgave them? Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. I was, my, my father died. He passed away in 2016. And on his deathbed, when we're alone, I sat down on his bed and I said, I know that you did the best that you could with what you had. Regardless of our relationship, I love you and I forgive you of everything. And then I sang him Amazing Grace because that was one of his favorite songs. And in a few moments, he was gone. And I noticed that the struggle, the resentment, the bitterness, and the unforgiveness died with him. Wow. Talk about courage. And how old are you, Carly? I am 36 years old. You're only 36 years old. (laughs) I am telling you, you have got a lifetime of influence, a lifetime of impact. And if you can learn these things at such a young age, can you imagine how you can influence so many others who've experienced such pain? Wow. Bless your heart, Mm -hmm. Carly. Thank you so much for joining me on my story. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for listening and encourage you to become a part of the Stopped Evaluation Movement. Be sure to like and follow hashtag Stopped Evaluation on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and visit StoppedEvaluation.com for more information and free resources.
You can help spread the movement by sharing with others, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and most of all, by living a courageous lifestyle of using your power for good. Go out and value someone today. Your life matters and you can make the world a better place. One word, one choice, one action of validation at a time.